Galatians chapter 3, right toward the beginning of this chapter, I believe it was when I was on Christmas vacation, my first semester at Cal in Berkeley, that I was on a bus going down south for the vacation time. And as I recall, there was a man on the bus that I think was drunk. And somehow I thought of this passage here, verses 2 and 3. I think a little bit of my thought was simply this, that thank God that I'm a Christian and I'm not like he is. A lot of times people have had that kind of a thought. Thank God I'm where I am. I give him all the credit. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has openly been set forth, crucified among you? And here are the two verses. This only I would learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? I had come to faith recently. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Yes, they had had Jesus presented very clearly to them. They'd accepted him by faith. They'd put their trust in him. They were not depending upon their works, but they were being pulled back this way by those who would deceive them. They were being pulled back to the works of the law and self-effort. But Paul is pointing out to them, did you become a Christian by working for it or was it a matter of faith? Of course, the answer is obviously it was a matter of faith. It wasn't a matter of your good works. It was not a matter of your keeping the law. And now are you going to retrogress? Are you going to complete your faith by going back to the law and by the works? Or are you going to keep resting in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, who took all the guilt and punishment that's involved? Are you going to perfect yourself and advance in a different way than you became a Christian? Are you going to perfect yourself by your works? So obviously he's telling them, no, that's not the way to do it. You receive the Spirit. It was by faith you became a Christian. That's how you are to continue. You're to continue by faith. Now he's not saying we shouldn't live right, because we should. But as far as being saved and forgiven, it's all a matter of faith from beginning to end. And so these are great questions in verses 2 and 3. We may think of our own lives. When I became a Christian, how did it happen? <laughs> it was by faith. As I advance, how does it happen? I trust God day by day. I go on. I believe, as the song said. That's a great confession that we sang. 
the things that we believe because we're Christian people. When Junior and I were driving here this morning, before we got off on Sutterville or Avenue 12, one of the overpasses right before, over Highway 99, there was a big truck stopped right there. And in huge letters it said, Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> That's true. And I assume that it was parked there on purpose so everybody driving under could, could see that glorious truth. Philippians talks about that, that every knee shall bow to him, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Dropping down to verse 4, Galatians 3, 4 through 6. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain. Look at all you've gone through. <laughs> Has it all been in vain that you're not going to retrograde and think you're saving yourselves? Back in our lives, have we gone through all that we've gone through? Are we going to turn away from the truth? No, we're not. We're going to keep believing. We're going to trust God and give him all the credit. He, therefore, who ministers to you the Spirit, notice the mention of the Holy Spirit again. In this passage, he's mentioned several times. And works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, obviously the answer is by the hearing of faith. It's not by works. Holy Spirit works as we trust in him. And what an important verse, verse 6 is. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was imputed or accounted to him for righteousness. Now that verse is actually found back in Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham was concerned about not having a son. And God promised him something. See all those stars up there? And now we know they're a whole lot more than he could see. But so shall your seed be. You're going to have a child. And there's going to be a multitude of descendants from your child. But it says so clearly in Genesis 15, verse 6, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It wasn't because Abraham was a good man. It wasn't because Abraham walked with God and was his friend. It was because he had faith. He believed what God said. You know, God wants us to trust him. God wants us to believe what he says, even though the world may not. The world may ridicule. The world may deny. The world may even go so far as to say there is no God. But God wants us to trust him. And he's given ample evidence of his existence and of his love through the Lord Jesus. 
So here in the Old Testament, we see righteousness due to faith. Abraham had sin like we all do. He tried to walk with God and he did. But he was forgiven, not because of his works and goodness. It tells us way back here in Genesis 15, 6, he was forgiven because of his faith, because he believed what God said. Now, did you know that this is not the only place it refers to this? Galatians 3, 6. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Not only was it initially given in Genesis 15, but this is so important that it's mentioned two other times in the New Testament. Over to the book, or back, I should say, to the book of Romans, we find in chapter 4, about verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So there it is. It's not only in Galatians 3.6, but here it is back in Romans 4.3. But believe it or not, it's referred to even one other time. It's indeed true that we need to believe in the Lord. We need to have faith in him. The other place is in James chapter 2, verse 23. James 2, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You might possibly want to look at the context of these three quotations of the New Testament. These three times it, it's quoted from Abraham believed God and God accounted it to him for righteousness from Genesis 15, 6. Three times. And particularly if you read the context, you might discover there's little shades of difference of meaning here in application but it was important enough to say it three times. And the Galatians needed to know this. We're saved by faith, not by the works of the law, not by being circumcised, not by doing other things the law commands. It's by our trust in Jesus, like Abraham believed in God. Having said that, let's go back to Galatians, chapter three, beginning in verse seven. For every kind of beasts and birds, oh, see, I didn't get back there. I'm still in James. Galatians 3, 7. Don't you know that they who are of faith, the same are children of Abraham? And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached beforehand the good news to Abraham, saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. So then, they who be of faith 
are blessed with faithful Abraham. And so he believed and he was God's child. And it tells us here that all are children of Abraham who also are of faith back in verse 7. Did you know that as a Christian, spiritually, we are Jews? It tells us that very clearly here. If we have faith, we are children of Abraham. <laughs> I also think of that place where Jesus said, God can of, this, of these stones raise up children to Abraham. <laughs> he can take the stony heart and he can make it live and be responsive to his truth. But think of this. Tells us here that we're children of Abraham if we have faith in the Lord Jesus. This thought is picked up in chapter 5 of Galatians in verse 6. In Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything or uncircumcision, but what does avail is faith, which works by love. A similar thing in chapter 6, verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature, a new person. And so as we have faith, we become children of Abraham. We become new creatures. We begin to live by this faith that we have in him. But especially we see this truth that if we have faith in Jesus, that we are spiritually children of Abraham in the book of Romans, chapter 2, the last two verses, 28 and 29. Because he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. So very clearly we see that when we have faith in Jesus, we become children of Abraham. He had faith, we have faith. We are his spiritual descendants. We enter into persecution. I think of the persecution that Jews have endured through the years. We should love them and seek them for Jesus. Think of the millions that Hitler killed. Think of many that died in Russia under their pogroms. Think of being put down and persecuted and ill-treated and even killed. Spiritually, we come into persecution. Everyone who truly lives for Jesus, the Bible tells us, will be persecuted. So we align ourselves with him and we're not surprised if in some circles we are not popular and that persecution may come. Back to Galatians chapter 3 verse 8. And 
the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached beforehand the good news to Abraham, saying, In you all nations shall be blessed. God gave Abraham a very special promise. We find it in Genesis 12, verse 3, that in him and his seed all the nations would be blessed. Now we know that this is actually a prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ. Through him, salvation would be extended to all the nations, everybody on the face of the earth. That was a promise God made to Abraham. Something else I think ought to be realized in addition to that promise it was not only the covenant, the testament to Moses, but there was also a covenant to Noah, chapter 9 of Genesis. And then there was also a covenant with Abraham in that same chapter we've been talking about, Genesis 15. And then hundreds of years later, there's the, New, the Old Testament with Moses. So we find more than one covenant in the Old Testament scriptures, one with Noah, one with Abraham, one with Moses. Now the one that is particularly mentioned here in Galatians is the Mosaic covenant, the Old Testament that was made with Moses, the agreement God made with him. So then they who be of faith, it says in verse nine, Galatians 3, are blessed with faithful Abraham. So we're saved by faith, not by the mosaic works of the law. And this idea of a promise to Abraham trumps the covenant. Now that's interesting. Back to Galatians 3, beginning in verse 9. So then, they who be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham, because as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. See, if we're going to go back to the law, we've got to do every single thing it says. And who can do that? It brings a curse. We find through the Old Testament that we're unable to be everything that it commands us to be. But where does it tell us these things? Well, if you go with me back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28 talks about blessings and cursings. It's a great chapter. But the verses right beforehand in chapter 27... Deuteronomy 27, 26 says this, Cursed be he who continues not in all the words of this law to do them. So you see he's referring evidently to this truth revealed in the Old Testament. It's interesting also that even Jeremiah brought this out in chapter 11, verse 3. Jeremiah eleven three. And say to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, 
Cursed be the man who obeys not the words of this covenant. We have learned before, I've mentioned it more than once, I believe, that in the book of Romans, tells us in chapter 3 and verse 19, basically through the law that we learn that we are sinners. Here's what it says. Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law. Why? That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And so as we study the Old Testament law, we discover that we're all guilty. (laughs) But a promise was made to Abraham that actually supersedes other things, stronger, as it were, than the law itself. And the promise made to Abraham was that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Through Jesus, we could be saved and be God's children, his spiritual children, children of Abraham. Then it says in 3.9, back in Galatians, Take me a second here to get back to Galatians. Galatians 3.9. So then they who be of faith, they are blessed with faithful Abraham. And then it's when it goes on to say, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And then it goes into Another thing, another quote from the Old Testament, which like in chapter 6, is three times quoted in the New Testament. Not only the matter of Abraham having faith and being considered righteous, but something else here. 3.11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident because, and here's the quote, the just shall live by faith. You know where that's found? Well, it's found back in the minor prophets, so-called, the book of Habakkuk, toward the end of the Old Testament. Back there, it tells us about this. Here's what it says, chapter 2, verse 4 of Habakkuk. Look, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. That's quoted three times in the New Testament, one of the three being here in Galatians 3, verse 11. Where are the other two places? One is a very important place back in the book of Romans. It had a large impact on Martin Luther in freeing him from certain amount of legalism. Here's what it says, Romans 1, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith, like it is written, the just shall live by faith. And in one of the movies I saw about Martin Luther, he'd written 
After that, sola, only. Just shall live by faith alone. <laughs> it's not by works, it's a matter of trust in the Lord. Where's the third place? Hebrews 10, 38. Here's what that says. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So it's three times quoted in the New Testament. First two we see was by Paul. Some don't think Paul wrote Hebrews, but they do know it's inspired of God and belongs in the Bible. Others believe that Hebrews was written by Paul. I think it was. And the fact that this is quoted to me adds weight to the conviction that it is a Pauline work that God used him to write, making use of this the third time. Just shall live by faith. Going back to Galatians then, verse 12. And the law is not from faith, but the man who does them shall live in them. There's a contrast between justification by the law and justification by faith. And as we've seen, you can't be justified by the works of the law. But we see in the Old Testament, faith running throughout, as in we saw with Abraham having faith. Last Sunday I mentioned Noah had received God's grace. Noah had faith, we learn in Hebrews chapter 11. And so the Old Testament highlights faith, but also it reveals sin. And when you really understand the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus explains what the Old Testament really is saying in, in spirit and in principle, way beyond the mere legalistic words. It goes into the heart. And so when you read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you realize I can't ever fully live up to this. <laughs> We're all sinners. We've all failed. But thank God for it. <laughs> but even in the Old Testament, it prophesies the coming of a New Testament, as we pointed out before. Back to Galatians then. Verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, because it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Well, in the book of Deuteronomy, we find in chapter. Twenty-one, verse 23. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but you shall in any wise bury him that day, because he who is hanged 
is cursed of God. He who is hanged is cursed of God. Now in First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it speaks about Jesus and it mentions a tree. <laughs> it's talking about his dying for the sins. But mentioning the tree, which the cross, of course, is made from a tree, brings in the idea of a curse, a judgment upon the one who would be so placed. So Christ became a curse for us. He took our place on the tree. Now, one of the verses that Gary mentioned for us is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21, the last chapter, verse of the fifth chapter. For he, God, has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We see from these things that Jesus took our place. We sang about that. Another word that may be used is the word substitute. I'm not sure that I've ever used that word here before, but the truth is in the scripture. Jesus was our substitute. <laughs> he died in our place. He took the sinner's place. He was treated as if he were sin. He took the judgment upon sin, which is righteous and true, that we might be given forgiveness and eternal life. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. And we see we receive this by faith, like Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. We trust in Jesus and it's accounted to us for righteousness. We don't deserve it, it's not a matter of works, it's a gift, it's a matter of grace. It's a matter of faith. Now, having gone this far, let's go back again to Galatians, the last verse of our passage, verse 14. So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so you see how faith is emphasized throughout. Not only this passage, but basically throughout the whole book of Galatians. And he says it over and over and over again in different ways. <laughs> and so some of what we say in Galatians, almost by necessity, has to be repetitious. Because he wants them to get this across. He wants them to understand our salvation is not of works as of the Mosaic law, but our salvation is based on what Jesus did for us. He took our place on the cross. Now, doesn't that make us love him? Does that make us trust in him? Do we agree with what it said on that truck we saw? Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> he is. And thank God, hopefully every one of us believes in him and have become spiritual children of Abraham, God's children, forgiven, blessed, with a great hope set before us all.
May we have a prayer of dedication. Thank you, Lord, that you made it possible that we may come to you. We who are unrighteous in ourselves are now made righteous because of your son, Jesus. Thank you that he died for us all. Thank you that he rose from the dead victoriously. Thank you that he is seated at the right hand of the Father in the place of authority and victory. Thank you by trusting in him what you desire us to do. We are forgiven. We receive the gift of everlasting life and we have the hope of heaven and a new body set before us. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful, momentous truths. Thank you for Jesus, Lord of all. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen.